0: Good morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. This is Friday morning, Good Friday, April 2nd. So glad to have you along today. If this is your first time with us, a special welcome. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notify button, like the video, and uh, go to my website, Tom at the Preacher, and make sure and join uh, my email list so you can also be reading about these devotionals. Do you ever wonder why they call it Good Friday? I mean, what's good about this day? And I see some of the comments. I always thought that it was, you know, we're to rejoice in trials, we're to see the benefit in things. And I always thought that's what it meant. Actually, just no, that's not the word good. The term Good Friday comes from the use of the term good as in holy or morally upright. This is Holy Week, and being Holy Week, Today was known as good or holy, and the way to think of Holy Friday. It was a holy day. The day Jesus gave his life for us. So many events we're talking, we're calling this week the week that changed the world, and it did. Yesterday we saw how the new covenant, the new standard of leadership, the promised coming of the Holy Spirit, the new commandment to love one another, changed the world, folks. The things that Jesus brought were truly revolutionary. We're like fish in the water. We see them so common so often now, we don't realize how dramatically he changed everything. We've grown up, most of us in in this country, where we've seen the value, for instance, of servant leadership. We've seen the value of really loving one another. Some of these things that, that are not as common around the rest of the world and that the value of the new covenant of grace, where if you visit a land where the focus is all on self-righteousness and and, uh, keeping the law and being moral, and there's no concept of grace in their, their culture, their religion, it's different. Jesus changed the world. Well, as we talk about Good Friday or this day in the week that changed the world, My goodness, I've titled this message, History's Darkest Day. Can you imagine how shocked people were at what happened? I mean, obviously the apostles, the disciples were shocked. They were just a couple days earlier arguing who's going to be at the right hand and left hand of Jesus when he sits on the throne. They were assuming, I think, even after three years with Jesus, they still were thinking he was going to overthrow the Romans, set up an, an earthly kingdom. And how shocked they must have been when he was arrested in the garden. I mean, just hours before it, in the the, in the, in the Last Supper, they're saying, I'll die with you. If, it, if that's what it means, I'll die with you. I'm not going to leave you behind, Jesus. You can count on me. But, but then they all fled. The, the horror, the shock that, that he was being arrested, betrayed by one of their own, by Judas. Can you imagine how shocked his mother was? She had been told that you know that that something would happen that she her she would be pierced her own heart would be pierced when Jesus was just a baby just born and yet somehow she must have been shocked as well imagine the glee of his opponents his the religious corrupt religious authorities who were so glad they probably thought it was easier to take him than they realized and their plots were more successful, probably than they dreamed of. I wondered if they thought, are we really going to be able to pull this one by on pilot and get him to crucify him? Are we really, really going to be able to arrest Jesus without you know, without him being around a crowd or it creates a big mob scene? They probably were pretty thrilled how they pulled this off. Imagine how shocked the angels were on that Good Friday. And the Son of God, dead. Imagine... Did the, You know, and and Peter says that that the angels long to understand things that we know now from our perspective, things that we see. And of course, we see the resurrection and we see the crucifixion in light of the resurrection. But they didn't. Imagine how shocked the angels must have been. You wonder if the devil was gleeful or if he realized, "Uh uh-oh, I bit him on the heel. I'm about to get crushed on the head. I don't know what he was feeling. It's interesting in the in the um, the movie the the Passion of the Christ which of course if you've never seen it today is a good would be a good day to see that movie. It's a sh- it's a very heavy, sobering, moving movie. But in that movie at the last scene or near the last scene as Jesus is crucified, a drop of blood falls from the cross, falls from Jesus on the cross all the way down into hell and smashes the devil. And so, you know, maybe, I don't know exactly what he was thinking. The point is this. It was a dark day. I thought I would quickly today share the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And I wouldn't comment on a couple of them. He had said several things when he was on the cross. And we can learn from them because uh, as he suffered, as he was nailed to the cross, hung on the cross, some important things number one he said father forgive them they know not what they do folks we live in a time where people are not very forgiving we live in a time when people are digging up tweets from people from years ago or or something they might have said or something they did way back in high school and they're losing their jobs they're they're you know being canceled they're being hated and And uh, we Christians have got to bring a spirit of forgiveness back into our country. I really believe bitterness, the inability to forgive is crippling millions of people and it will cripple our society, our culture. And and we can't expect the unbelievers to be the, the key to this. Let's us be following Jesus' example. As he was hung on the cross, I don't care what's ever been done to you. It doesn't match what was done to Jesus. And his prayer, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The second saying was to the, to the, um, as the the two thieves were mocking and ridiculing, one of them thought better of himself, ended up repenting, said, Jesus, we deserve what we're getting, but you don't remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, I believe this is the only person in the New Testament, Jesus directly promised you're going to be with me in heaven. And yet you consider this guy a deathbed confession. He didn't have time to do any good works. He didn't have time to earn his salvation. He didn't have time to to uh, to do anything, but in humble humility, brokenness, repentance, say, Jesus, I need you. And he was promised eternal life. What an awesome promise that is. The second, the third saying of Jesus is he... Uh, turned to his his mother and he said, Mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. He was talking about John the apostle John, and Jesus was concerned about his mother, his responsibilities, his concern. no, he wasn't worshiping her he wasn't praying to her, but he was caring for her she would need she would need care because her oldest son, her firstborn son, was was going on and he showed care for others this Fourth saying, which I want to focus on and come back on, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did Jesus doubt? We're going to come back to this one in a moment. The fifth saying of Jesus. The fifth saying of Jesus, just a real human one, I thirst. And we see that it just reminds us of the suffering he was enduring on the cross. The sixth saying of Jesus on the cross is when he said, uh, it is finished. In the Greek, it was one word, to tetelestai to tell us die was like two business people would clasp hands after after a deal was finished after it was completed you owe me nothing more i owe you nothing it's all been done again a reminder that what jesus did on the cross finished the work of god you don't have to add to it you don't have to go to purgatory you don't have to suffer you know your the sins our sins were fully completely Paid in full. That's what Tetelestai means. Paid in full. It is finished. You owe nothing more. And that's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And finally, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I commend my spirit. Ultimately, it wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the, the, the Jews. It wasn't Pilate. It wasn't anyone ultimately who killed God. It was Jesus who offered himself. It was Jesus who offered Himself. He, died, he like we saw in John chapter ten. I am the Good Shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own initiative. And Jesus offered Himself. He wasn't ultimately killed. Certainly, they drove nails to him. Certainly, they crucified him. But he laid it down. Do you know? Re- do you realize that Jesus? You know, sometimes people would be crucified. They'd land. The, they'd, they'd hang on the cross for days. Jesus was only there a few hours, and he, when, when, when the job was done, when it was finished, the redemption, the salvation, the payment for our sins was finished, I lay it down, and he did. He laid down his life. And I want to go back to this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was going on there? You know, I grew up being told that Jesus doubted that Jesus had a moment of weakness and showed his humanity just like us. I don't think that's what was happening there. I think Jesus, as we know, he was quoting from Psalm 22. Psalm 22 has a great deal to do. It's a prophetic Psalm that speaks of the suffering of the Messiah. A number of prophecies of the crucifixion were fulfilled or were were prophesied in Psalm 22 and were fulfilled. But this first one, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I think the reality is it was kind of a rhetorical question. He had, the question is was God, God, or the point to be made is God had forsaken Jesus. Why, in Jesus' darkest moment, in his darkest hour, his disciples had fled him? He was alone suffering on that cross, and you think that at least God would be with him, God his Father, but no, the Father had forsaken him. Why? Well, this is answered in so many scriptures, the clearest one being 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, where Paul writes, he made God the Father, made Jesus sin, he made him who knew no sin to become sin, on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, who had been sinless all his life, tempted in all things as we, and yet without sin. When he went to the cross, he was the spotless sacrifice. He was the, he was the perfect sacrifice. You see, Jesus did not need to go to the cross to die, be punished, or judged for his sins. He had no sin. He never in thought, word, or deed, he had passed the test. He was holy, blameless, unblemished. He was undefiled. He was perfect in every way. He had only done what the Father wanted. He had completely fulfilled all the requirements of the law. He was holy in every sense of the word. And yet, when he went on to the, when he went to the cross, he took upon himself the sins of the world. He took upon himself the sins of the world. And as such, he took your sins. Imagine for a moment, one of your sins. Think for a moment of, you know, I say this to students on campus a lot. Think for a moment of something you've done, that you know God was angry with, you knew it was wrong you're ashamed of, you're embarrassed, you felt guilt, maybe you still feel guilt about it. Now I ask you, did Jesus Christ ever do that? The obvious answer is no, because Jesus never ever sinned. But he died for that, he suffered for that, he was punished for that. Imagine if you will, as if God reached into your soul and lifted that sin right up out of you, off your shoulders, he took it from you, he put it upon Jesus Christ and then he punished Jesus Christ. He forsook Jesus because a holy God has nothing to do with sin. He has said that sin separates us from God and our sin upon Christ separated the son from the father. He still loved the son. You better believe. But in his holiness, it's, he separated In his holiness. He poured out judgment and wrath. This is the cup, by the way. <clears throat> When Jesus says, oh, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. What was that cup? It was the cup of God's wrath, poured out in fullness, full strength upon the Messiah, upon Jesus Christ, as he bore our sins and suffered. He bore the sins of the world and suffered. You know, I would contend, I don't mean this to sound blasphemous in any way, because it's not, I would contend there are people who's, physical death has been worse than Jesus's. As I said, some people hung on the cross for days, and Jesus, Jesus uh, he, he was hung on the cross probably about nine in the morning, and he was dead before the beginning of Passover, which would be at sundown that night. I would contend there are people who have suffered worse physical deaths. but No one has suffered a worse spiritual death. No one has suffered a worse death than Jesus because he bore in himself the the sins of the world and bore in his body the judgment from God. He bore the full wrath of God. This is something when you and I die, we're not experiencing, but he did. We may have a physical, we, we could have a physical death that could be worse than his. I doubt it, but you could. You're not going to have a spiritual death that was worse Because he bore your sins He bore the wrath of God And as he hung on that cross It's like the full wrath of God For the sins of the whole world of all time Were being poured out That wrath was being poured out upon him And he cried out My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well he'd forsaken him Because a holy God Will have nothing to do with sin By the way I'm assuming if you're with me this long and you watch these that you are, in fact, a true believer in Jesus Christ. But if you're not, don't think that you can enter into eternity and your sin not separate you from God. If God forsook his own son, whom he loved, when he had sin upon his soul, sin upon him, do you think he won't do the same with you? My urging on this Good Friday... Flee to Jesus Christ, cry out to Him for salvation. Say, Jesus, I be- take my sins upon You, bear my sins, bear the wrath on my behalf, save my soul. Because if you don't, if you've never yielded to Him, believed in Him, turned to Him, trusted Him, received the free salvation that He gives—that's found only in fa- when we have faith in Jesus Christ, true faith from the heart, trusting Him. If you don't, if you've never done that, boy, today would be the time to do it. Don't go another day. Don't go another day. Today's the day of salvation. What better day to come to Christ than today? Don't go another day without turning to him, crying out to him, acknowledging your need of his salvation. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your holy standards. We thank you today for Jesus, your son. We thank you for sending him to this earth to be the savior, to save us from our sins and to be the savior of the world. We thank you, Father, that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. Thank you. From the depths of our heart we thank you that you have made salvation possible even to someone like that rotten evil thief on the cross who with his last breath was cursing you and mocking you but who then thought better afterwards and turned to you and sought mercy and you gave it to him you gave him eternal life thank you Jesus you're so forgiving Thank you that your heart is to forgive. It's your, it's your nature. You want to forgive. If only we would turn. If only we would come. Oh, Lord, how we pray. How we pray that this good news, this gospel news, this freedom that we have, knowing that we're forgiven, that so many don't have, and they spend their life trying to be good, trying to be moral, trying to, trying to be accepted, trying knowing that there's a God, knowing that there's a judgment, knowing that, that they're not good and trying their hardest to be that. And yet you've offered that if we just come to you, that we will receive true forgiveness, true forgiveness as a gift from God. Jesus, we are grateful. We are thankful for the cross. We're thankful for what you went through. We're thankful for this holy Friday and that holy day, that holy day, when the son of God went all the way to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, you'd never turned back. You could have gotten out of this. You could have fled in the garden of Gethsemane. You could have never gone to Jerusalem in the first place. You could have negotiated with Pilate or Herod or the the Pharisees. You could have called upon 12 legion of angels and they would have delivered you. Jesus, when they mocked you and said, if you, you saved others, save yourself, come down from the cross, save yourself. You could have done that. But if you'd come down to save yourself, you would have never saved us. And so we thank you. We bless you. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. It is our deep desire that that day in, day out, moment by moment, you would find in us people who the way we live our life, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we every bit of us would just be one giant thank you note saying, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you, you you've made life possible for everyone. Oh, Father, thank you for the gospel, the good news. Might it spread rapidly through our nation. Might it spread rapidly through the world. Lord, we think today of of our own family members who don't know you, and we pray for their salvation. We think, Lord, of our country and how much it's turned against against you and forsaken you and, and walked into the darkness. How we pray, oh, God, have mercy and might the gospel run rapidly in this country? And Lord, we think of other lands that, that some places have never even heard the gospel, or some places they if they've heard the name of Jesus, they have no idea what it really meant, what it was that you did about the cross, the resurrection. They're without God and without hope. How we pray, Father, raise up workers for your harvest, raise up laborers for your harvest to take the gospel to the very ends of the earth, we pray. Thank you Father, how you're saving. Thank you thank you for the powerful work of God that's going on in this world. Might it increase, might it abound? might might you bring a great harvest of souls in these last days we pray. We love you today. we give you this day. we remember again the sadness of what you went through to secure our salvation. Might we never take it for granted might it never be light, Father, I think of myself. I've read the story of the crucifixion now hundreds of times. I pray, Lord, I would not become just commonplace, and with commonplace familiarity, it become it loses wonder and glory. I pray, Father, that whenever we read it, we'd be touched with the love, touched by the love of God, the holiness of God, the goodness, the plan of God. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought that for rebellious Sinners, the solution was to take the punishment upon yourself. We bless you, we thank you, we offer ourselves in, in in gratitude, we offer ourselves freshly as love servants of yours. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with me on this good Friday, the darkest day. But as we know, again, we know the end of the story, don't we? And so it's we, we, we're not, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine how they really felt back then because we know how it's all going to end. So I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Tomorrow will be Saturday. Uh, I'm, I'll, I will give you, I'm going to speak on evidence for the resurrection. And if you know someone who doubts it or questions the resurrection or you yourself, uh, you'll want to tune in. I still remember the day when it struck me, this really happened. Jesus really did rise from the dead. It wasn't just a story, it happened. Someone was dead and they're alive. And so, tomorrow, I'm going to speak a little bit about how we know that happened the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. And um, I will be sharing that with you tomorrow and on Saturday. I look forward to seeing you. God bless you. Tell your friends. Post on social media. This would be a particularly good message if you know someone who who might not uh, have come to faith in Christ yet. Be good. Uh, to, and tomorrow, if you know someone who's doubtful or has questions and they're about the truthfulness of our faith, be a great day to turn in. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.